0: You're listening to Big Shot Business Podcast. The what, the why, and the how of building and running a successful business on the African continent. Here's your host, Linkford Biz. Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Big Shot Business Podcast. My guest today has mastered the art of pursuit. This company, a communications agency both some of South Africa's top companies among their clients an acclaimed radio personality with over two decades in the industry a podcast host and the entrepreneur David, the king himself mashabel this episode is sponsored by Caprica Solar for customized solar and backup power solutions, visit our website at capricasolar.co.uk or call us on 0027 10 211 95 David, welcome to Big Shot Business Podcast. Uh, it's Thank really you. an amazing opportunity to have you. And I can't wait for what we're going to be talking about today and getting to know cool. the man behind the legend. I'm continuously going to push this, this uh, I, legend. I, I, can't, I can't stop
1: you. I don't, I don't <laughs> agree with
0: you, but I can't stop you. Anyways, man, welcome to the podcast. Um, I don't think you're a man that needs an introduction. Uh, especially when it comes to uh, um, South African business and uh, the broadcasting industry as a whole. But um, right. I would really love to know the man behind the legend. I would really love to know who is David Mashaveta.
1: It's, it's a broad question considering that I've been on this planet for 45 years. <laughs> uh, however, I'll try and answer it as best as I can. Mm-hmm. I'm a simple guy uh, who... I uh, grew up in Pretoria, in Mamilodi, um, raised by a single parent. My, my dad passed away when I was only three, and my mom oh, never yeah. remarried. So, so she, she pulled it off throughout. Uh, I have uh, two sisters, an older sister and a younger sister. Uh, in, in my household, we also had a brother. I call him a brother. Because he's a cousin of mine oh, yeah. who started living with us when I was about seven. And fortunately, he passed away. Uh, in my 20s, when I was about 27 or 28. So yeah, I'm sorry. so he, he influenced me quite a bit in terms of my um, speech pattern. I'm told that I speak exactly like him. So, so I guess he left me with, with that. <laughs> right. uh, and it, it, it's um, someone, I went to the same university as him. Uh, I studied in the University of and Westfield, largely because right. he was there and, I, and I, wanted, I, look up, I looked up to him, so I wanted to follow him. Right, uh, yeah. I studied economics at university. Um, I'm going all over the place, and it it it's really just how I remember my life. In the past, mm. I started I started working when I was only twelve. Wow! Uh, I worked for my uncle's uh, yeah. shop. It was a uh, fish and chips shop in 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 Pretoria. All right. Uh, and uh, I used to work there on Saturdays, Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays, and I used to earn about fifteen rands a weekend. Wow! Uh, and I always tell people that that was the last time I was ever broke before I got that job. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> because from that moment on, yes. yeah. I don't ever remember not, not having money. And, and that started, that started a, a state of mind mm. uh, that made me realize that uh, money can be uh, regenerated. Sure. You know, If you mm. end one rent, you can turn it into two rents and so forth. And that state of mind started there. But it was it was further instilled by my mom, who uh, ran a, uh, a liquor business. She sold mm. alcohol, like a shabeen. Uh, people would come to the house and they would buy a few beers mm. and go. Mm. Uh, some would sit, would, would stay. But it wasn't a crazy shabeen. It was it was it was neighborhood people, people we knew. All right. uh, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't dirty and crazy. It was just a nice hangout spot. Uh, and I grew up around these people who would come to the house all the time. But the lesson for me there was, money can be regenerated. You can make more from little, mm-hmm. uh, and when you need something, you can buy and sell. And that that state of mind started from that from that experience with with my mom largely. And I I guess I've carried I've carried on with it till today. I still believe that. You can buy stuff and, and sell them for more for more for more money to people who are not aware that they could they can I buy them stuff cheap. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, yeah, you know, well, is, and that's just that's most people, to be yes, honest. Yeah, very uh, true. I I went I, I studied in Devon. I did uh, economics degree in Devon. All right. Uh, mm. I've recently just completed my master's degree. Uh, hmm. My my thesis was in uh, government communication,
0: right? And its
1: yes. Impact on education. Rather, its impact on uh, on unemployment in South Africa.
0: All right. So that's
1: that's my yeah. my life in a nutshell. But I have another life on the side, which is radio. Right, uh, yeah. radio life tends to be quite separate from my <laughs> what I consider my everyday life.
0: All
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I fell in love with radio when I was doing what we call stand at nine. Then it was grade that, now it's grade eleven. Yeah. Yeah. I fell in love with radio then. There's a guy Bob Mabena. He was on radio and. And I thought he sounded amazing. And yeah. that, that started a thing. He was on Radio Bob at the time. Yeah. And that started my interest and passion in radio. And I've done, I've been radio since 1993. So it's 27 years of wow. <laughs> radio. Wow. I started out in a com- community radio mm. platform in Devon, a campus-based radio station. And, a it grew, yeah. and we had a, a community radio station called um, Devon Youth Radio. Uh, that's when community radio was starting out as an idea in 94, 95. Um, And I've been in radio pretty much ever since. I've worked for Metro FM for seven years. Uh, Mm -hmm. I worked for, I've been working for for Radio 2000 now for 10 years. Uh, I've been in sales at the SABC. I've done many different things at SABC. Or oh, else I was in advertising. How can I cannot forget that? I worked, for, I worked for, for an ad agency for about six right. years of my life at some point. So I've done quite a number of things, but in the same career space, in, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. It's advertising, entertainment, and communication. You know, they kind of speak the same language. They're about a broader audience. They're about speaking to a, to a mass audience.
0: All right. And that's, that's, yeah. that's
1: my life in a nutshell. In a oh. very nutshell.
0: <laughs> that's a really fascinating life so far.
1: <laughs> um, I, like, I don't know. I don't know if you can understand. I don't
0: think so. <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, you mentioned you, you, you studied um, economics. How, yeah. did, how did you move from economics to broadcasting?
1: Well, I, I studied economics because I had an interest in it. And uh. I, I, I started liking the idea of economics when I was studying at, in high school. Uh, when I got to university, uh, it was a natural degree. I enrolled in a Bachelor's of Administration. I, I measured in, in economics and industrial psychology. It, the, the idea made sense, um, mm. and it still does to a lot, to a lot, lot, of extent. Even though I think I suck lately in economics, my analysis are always rubbish. Uh, <laughs> but but it, it, it remains it remains an interest. Every time I read more the business section of, of newspapers than I do the yeah. rest of it. Uh-huh. Um, but your question is, how did I transition? Yes, I feel I feel anyone in any field can be a broadcaster, uh, because broadcasting is about mass communication, you know, and that means you know. anyone who is knowledgeable in any subject matter can have an, a mass audience. Um, however, I, I'm not an economics broadcaster. Right. I merely fell in love with the idea of being on radio. I coincidentally did radio did economics before that. If, I, see, if yeah. I hadn't gotten a job as a radio presenter, I'd probably be working for some bank. And to be honest with you,
0: yeah.
1: in and 1996, I got a job at APSA Bank and I worked for APSA for a year and a half right. uh, before I moved into advertising. So at some point in my life, I was heading towards this economics career until the radio bug Caught and i decided to take a detour and i've been enjoying it i've been i've been enjoying that detour ever since right
0: yeah by the looks of it yeah you've been in the, in the industry i think for for most of my life <laughs> <laughs> you're, it just yeah. means you're young <laughs> that's all i hope i can keep the energy though yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's the attitude yeah, it did and it did. It did. that's uh, that's really amazing um, So as I was was doing my search, I came across, um, I think it was a montage by one of the uh, advertisers. And Mm. as I was looking at it, really, um, I had this feeling inside of me. It was an overwhelming feeling that there you were, you had this one goal and you've Mm. pursued it and pursued it. And as I was going, uh, going through all of that, I came across the a story that you worked at, I think it was um, um, Radio really 2000, for nine continuous months without being paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at that video and then hearing that story, I thought to myself, Here is a man determined to achieve what he will and he will achieve it regardless of what comes his way.
1: Well, I guess. That, that's just, I think, you know, we, we have a weird life experience as humans. We overthink the process. Um, and I say this story over and over again in, in my social cycles that you are born and, and you die. And it's yeah. what you do between these two times that matters. Mm-hmm. But half the time is, is you're doing it to fill up time. You have nothing else to do. <laughs> um, which is what we, you and I now are, 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 are occupying time. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably be watching something on Netflix or doing a presentation and you'll be doing something else. True. So we always find something to do. Mm. And I fell in love with, and, and you're lucky in life if you find things you actually like doing, um, then you, you're blessed with a good life. If, if between your birth and your death, you mm. actually enjoy the things you're doing, you're very lucky. And I realized very few of us tend to be that lucky. Uh, so okay. I fell in love with the idea of radio, And, and I worked for radio to, for, 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 rather for uh, Metro FM for seven years, right. and right. I quit, and I became a suit at the SABC. Uh, I started working at sales.
0: Right.
1: And I, it was fun while it lasted, because it wasn't a natural fit for my personality. Okay. So I ended up wanting to be on radio again. Because I was inside the SADC building, it was relatively easy for me to find out stuff, and I found out that um, one of the shows on Radio Two Thousand on Friday night or Friday to Friday night to Saturday morning, mm. uh, I didn't have a radio a, a host. And I I asked them, and I put together a demo tape. I recorded nice. myself yeah. doing a show, and I asked them very nicely if they could give me that show. They said they don't have a budget to, play, to pay someone, which is why that show is empty. And I said, I'll do it for free. <laughs> it, it used to be from, I think it was from 12 midnight to three in the morning. And I did that show for nine months. Uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, I enjoyed it. And it, this was two days in a row. It was Saturday night, Saturday morning and, and Sunday morning. And I absolutely loved that time. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's why I, I say to you, in answering that, the reality of it is in life you find things you enjoy doing and once you find them, you realize that you could do them for free without even charging someone for them. And that's just because you're born and you die. What do you do between this time is the challenge that most yeah. humans have.
0: Right. If
1: not most humans, but all humans. And if you find something you enjoy doing, you're very, very lucky. That's why you're likely to end up even agreeing to doing that thing for free. And that's, that's really the story of why I worked for Metro, or rather for, for 2000. I was lucky mm-hmm. that the following year they started paying me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I would have done that job forever. I would have done it forever without getting any pay, to be
0: honest. That's, that's really amazing. You know, Somebody once told me... Um... If you want to discover your purpose, find the things, the thing you enjoy doing, the thing you do effortlessly, and that's you find it. your purpose for life. Pursue that, and you are the lucky it. one. Yeah. You are the lucky one. You found it. Yeah.
1: Uh, absolutely. You see, there you, you even have a quote for it. I don't, I don't have a quote to support that.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, let's dive in a bit deeper uh, to uh, growing up in Mamelodi. How mm. was it there? How was how was that environment going up there?
1: Bermelodi is like any other township, to be honest. There's nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, it's houses mm. that were, it's a township that was designed and built by an apartheid government, divided oh. into, into sections. And those sections are divided uh, by language. So you are either in a Tswana section or a Peri section or a Zulu section. And that's mm. just the nature of of townships. They're all built like that. Right. Oh. Um. Uh, it's a, a typical black township with, um, you know, just laborers, people who, who who really just getting by, who either work for big multinationals or they're working for, but low, low level jobs at mm. the time. Uh, like my mom, for example, uh, she was a clerk because she could read and write. So that's why. She was able to get a, a job as a clerk at um, a furniture shop. Yeah, right. uh-huh. And she worked for that, she worked in that company for about 35 years. So she my mom got my mom used the taxi to work every day for 35 years. Wow. So and that's just mm. the life that she lived. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing particularly unexpected and unusual. Yeah. Uh, the story that I'm telling you is the story of a typical black South African. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you grow up in an environment where when I was growing up, all of us, amongst all of my friends, we were all very ambitious. Um, we wanted to be uh, accountants, lawyers, and, 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 and so forth. Uh, we, we came a generation after those that pursued careers as policemen and nurses, right. and yes. uh, we came a generation teachers. We came a generation after that, where for some reason there was a lot more information around us about what one would consider as bigger careers, like being right. a lawyer, yes. uh, being a you know, being a, a, uh, an accountant. I remember when I was in high school, the idea of being a chartered accountant was literally everyone's goal in the classroom. We all wanted to be chartered accountants. I remember there was one guy who used to talk about actual science and we didn't even know what that was <laughs> um you know actually he pursued it and he's, he's, he's been an actual scientist for such a long that time a, now wow. at some point it was something that we were all <laughs> thinking about right. or rather we were all what the hell was he talking about right. so it was nothing thought. Like you know townships are described as violent i still don't consider my melody a violent township um I, I've seen more violent incidences outside Mamelodi than in Mame uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, So, But there are people who describe townships like that. Uh, there are people who describe townships as jo- joyful spaces, which they are to me. It's a community space where, you know, just about everyone uh, recognizes or knows uh, everyone. Uh-huh. Uh, it, they've gotten bigger and bigger, and that becomes the community feel of townships as... as eroded over time right. because they've mm. become so big. Mm. But during my time, in each section, you know, in Mamelodi where I grew up, in A1, we used to call it, mm. everybody knew everyone, you yeah, know?
0: know.
1: and, and it, that's, that, that was the nature of the school, of the, the environment that I grew up in. Uh, but I'll say it very clearly that it's nothing special, nothing out of the ordinary. Mm. It's easy for people to say it's the dusty streets. But <laughs> well, they were dusty because... <laughs> Apart, the government didn't think we deserve taros. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but there's nothing to it. You know what I mean? Yes. And you go to townships now, you find those townships that have tars in you found those that don't. And, and those are just the reality of it. But
0: to right. be fair, yeah. there was nothing particularly out of the ordinary about my upbringing. All right. And all right. That's that's quite an upbringing though, um, considering the the time. You know, when we when we talk about um, the things that were happening during apartheid and we are talking to a younger generation that were maybe too young to understand it at that time. It's, uh, Mm. in comparison, you guys lived when life was still very hard. Unlike now. Yeah, that's true.
1: No, that's true. I I was born in 75. Uh, I lived literally through almost 20 years, 19 years of apartheid. So I've seen it firsthand um and and I hear that my version of apartheid in the later years in the in the late in the late eighties and early nineties was yes. was a bit watered down uh There are people who describe a much harsher version of it uh like my my parents uh where you having to carry the past past book was was required everywhere. we knew that there mm. were spaces that we were not allowed in yes. uh but it wasn't in our face and i i say this because and we had the township, and we were good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's like you can yeah. deny me, uh, you can deny me going to town, but I'm good here. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. You know, and then that's really mm. what it is. I, I, a lot of a lot of us describe apartheid as a harsh time. Absolutely, it was because it denied us a lot of opportunities. Yeah. But you know, you know, when you speak of someone who's never, who's, whose eyes have been closed forever, who's never seen, who's blind. True. Uh, hell, they think their life is fine. And you may think <laughs> their life is horrible.
0: Very true. You know, Very and that's, true, that's, yeah. that's
1: really what, what it was. Mm. It wasn't a pleasant time. There were a lot of challenges. Mm. Uh, we didn't have ever the best of schools. Uh, schools in the townships are, not the, are still not the greatest. True, true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, ha- I don't remember a toilet in my high school uh, dry, the floor dry. It was always flooded in the toilet. Yes. And as a result, we ended up using... We would we would help ourselves outside the toilet, not inside, because it was always flooded with water. Yeah, uh, you know, it's all those challenges that we had. We didn't have the best sporting facilities, and schools in the township still don't have the best sporting facilities. Very true. Uh, mm. You know, we didn't have the best um, uh, community halls, community centres, and schools in the township still suffer the same problem. So, so, I, uh, you know, I. I'm a I'm a stickler for details when it comes to apartheid. But I, mm. I realized that, you know, we, we were made hard, we were made tough.
0: Right. And, yes.
1: and, and that's the one thing that came out of the story of apartheid. Mm. We were made really, really tough. Uh, and you speak of someone that uh, would would pursue something until they get it. If you grow up in the way we did, you have no option because a option B is poverty and that's not a great option.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's really amazing. That's really amazing. When I look, when I, when I look at it for us, for us, we we were born when everything was just easily available. Yeah. But then looking at it, you guys, hmm.
1: you guys, you guys have McDonald's.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It did. It did. Yeah. It (laughs) did. And, um, sometimes that's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that, um, I miss not in a. No, I understand that that might be confused for for uh, a bad way of saying it, but that courage that was stayed mm. inside you because of the environment you were in. Yeah. For some reason, I uh, I think we're missing that. I don't know if it's possible for us to sort of manufacture it outside our own circumstances, but sometimes I think this generation is missing that, which is why we take most of the things we have for granted, and well.
1: I don't know I, I, I agree with you partly All right. but I don't think I don't think this generation necessarily take things for granted I think I think we exist in a generation that whose understanding is much wider than some of us
0: right
1: um, this is possibly the most the most economically active generation we've seen um, there are more multi millionaires and billionaires in, in this time than in, the, in any other time in the history of, of humanity.
0: Indeed.
1: Yeah. Um, we, we sometimes tend to downplay this generation a lot harsher than we, we have to. This is a, a generation that has access to so much, and they've created this themselves, <laughs> you know? Very true, true. It's not like, it's not like It's not like our generation gave you the tools, gave you nothing. <laughs> you know, this generation has created this all yourself. Indeed um and and yes you're dealing with a generation that has confusion, a generation that is um when you have too much information you turn internet to know what to choose true, true. um and that can be a- that can be a, a disability in a lot of ways uh if you've if you've ever been to a buffet you yes. know that when there's too much food you end up not knowing what to I eat always and, <laughs> and i think i think yes you, you go to a youtube video now or youtube videos you'll find how-to videos on any subject and that can be that can be a a disadvantage because you end up not knowing what to do Uh, and and i don't i don't downplay this generation at all i uh, there are moments where i applaud this generation for for being conscious of a lot of issues that that some of the older generation which i seem to fall in um, uh, tend to not to want to pursue some of these harder issues. Uh, you know, don't involve us with the environment too much. <laughs> uh, you guys will handle that. Right. <laughs> uh, don't inv- involve us with free education in South Africa. You guys will handle that. So there's a lot of those, those, those things. And, mm. and I, don't, I don't undermine this generation at all and, because I think they have a lot of successes. And mm. it, it's a, unfortunately, generational battles will always be there. Yeah, of course. When I was young... Mm. The older generation, to me, used to think that we were, they used to call us the lost generation, actually. There was even a name for us. Uh, I see. So who am I to judge this generation, and who am I to judge
0: their purpose? True. That's very true. That's very true. You actually reminded me of, um, uh, I think it was one of, one of my pastors that mentioned it uh, when mm. he said, you cannot know for someone else. You can know for yourself, but you cannot know for someone else. Therefore, you cannot tell them how to live their life because you cannot know for them what their life is supposed to be. And that's, that is so true. That's very profound, you there, can, what you're saying.
1: You don't know someone's purpose. Indeed. You, are not, you are not fully qualified to have an opinion.
0: Indeed. Yeah. That one is a very, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> a sucker punch of putting it. <laughs> I guess. I think I'll. I think I'll use that one. I think I'll use that one. It's for. It, it <laughs> I've of... never used it
1: before, so you can <laughs> have it. It kind of makes people sit
0: down, you know. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you heard about Big Shot Business Network? It's the place to be for African entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals just like you. Join millions of fellow entrepreneurs today by visiting likeabigshot.com. Big Shot Business Network. Connect. Share. Grow.
0: How did you move into business? Or what triggered uh, it? What made you decide, okay, I'm going to go into business for myself? Let me answer that
1: question the way you asked it. All right. you, you phrased it by saying, how did I move into business? I think mm-hmm. I'm still moving into business. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Be, because I think b- moving into business is a journey that carries on for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm almost certain that if you asked Jeff Bezos if if his how did he move into business? He'll tell you that he's still trying to prove himself. <laughs> and yet he's achieved so much True, because yeah. you, you're forever in, pursu- in pursuit of, of, of something. And when you grew up like I did in poverty, we didn't have much, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we did the best we could. My mom did the best she could. Um, you, you find, you navigate through the idea of, of not wanting to remain poor. And that yeah, creates... Yeah a personality of someone that wants to always achieve more than their current situation. I, I, I I was working for Metro at the time. And um, I learned a skill that I didn't have when I joined Metro, I joined Metro in 2000. Uh, uh, And, and, the skill that I learned when I, when I, when I was at Metro, was sound engineering was to, to record and edit audio and then mix it properly and make sure that it sounds right and so forth right, yes. i learned that skill at metro in the first two years of being at metro and i remember thinking i could actually sell this by recording adverts for different people mm. um and i remember at the time uh, mark gilman was a, a radio host for five mm. fm he was producing a breakfast show
0: oh, okay.
1: and they also he was running a business similar to that that i was thinking of and they got a, a client, Sminoff.
0: right? And mm. Sminoff
1: wanted them to record a series of, of pre-recorded shows, uh, dance shows. They were called Sminoff right. Dance Show. Yeah. This, was, this was in 2002, 2003.
0: Right. It was
1: paying too little for them, uh, this project. Right. And they found out that I could also edit audio and so forth. And Tobin, who was Mike Gilman's breakfast uh, producer, yeah. Uh, asked me to for a meeting and we had a chat and said look we have this client uh, you know what the money they pay us is not what we wanted but would you right. be willing to do this job for that fee I said yeah absolutely it was 10 G's a month on top of the salary I was earning and right. this was in 2003 that's that's right. 17 years ago I agreed to that mm-hmm. Yes, I agreed to that, but I didn't have equipment, my own personal equipment, because I was using right, SABC yeah. equipment. And I hooked up with a, a fellow radio presenter, Tibos, who mm. works for Kaya FM now. Mm. Right, he had yeah. equipment at his house that he wasn't using. I asked him if he could um, sell me that equipment, and he sold me that stuff wow. on credit. Mm. Uh, and I started recording uh, stuff for spin off. And uh, within three months, I had paid off uh, Tibos' equipment. And I realized that I actually have a good thing going here. <laughs> I, I did that production with Sminoff for two years. Uh, and I decided maybe it's time I took the serious. Right, <laughs> and I started yeah. selling the idea of my business, uh, Mashavela Creatives, uh, yes. to different clients. Oh. And I started I to rent space at SABC. I had a beautiful uh, studio at SABC. Mm-hmm. And that, that I started recording a lot of different clients from the National Lottery uh, to, um, geez, a lot of alcohol brands, mm-hmm. Aranda Blankets, there was a, a blanket brand that I was recording at the time as mm-hmm. well. And that started growing into a fully fleshed business. I was the sound engineer, I was the driver, I was the cleaner, I was the cook, you name it, I did it all. <laughs> uh, I yeah. was a tea guy or coffee guy right. uh, and it, it worked. It, and I was, because I used to have to record an ad and then deliver it to different radio stations across Joburg. So it was quite an interesting time. And, and that's really how my, the business, as you call it, how did I move into business? That's how it started. It started wow. a lot by chance, uh, largely because I was afraid to leave. So, you know, that opportunity with the, with the, the 5FM guy, Yes. was
0: a chance that I took, and, and I never looked back, really. Uh, and it just reminded me, in that video, the YouTube video I was telling you about, somebody asked a question at the end of the video, what did you say to entrepreneurs, and you just said, just do it. That's all I have to say, just do it. I, I <laughs> Well, I, I still have the same philosophy. <laughs> I can see. I can see, because yeah. I think from, uh, um, uh, from, from what I've gathered so far, you've been just doing it.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's, you remember my story with, with the life experience. Yes. You, you are, as a human, you are burdened with this thing called life. You don't know why you have it. Uh, and it's here. It's in front of you. Mm. You have to live it. Indeed. Yeah. And, and to some people, it's a serious burden because they don't know what to do with it. Like proper. It's mm. a frustrating, unpleasant experience. And, and, and to those that, that have been blessed with, opportunities i think you owe it to yourself to grab them and make the the journey of life interesting if anything (laughs) because flip at some point it's going to end so why have a boring day or a boring life experience if if you're blessed with with opportunities Mm. i really think you should Mm. just take a leap of faith and and if you believe in, in in god and believe in 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 the invincible energies that, that surround us, you'll, mm. you'll land safely. You'll be
0: okay. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I think it was also one of the edges that kind of pushed me to just do this podcast. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing else.
1: <laughs> yeah. Remember, you, you just <laughs> called me. And he said, do you mind if we do this? I said, yes. <laughs> it's not, it wasn't a complicated conversation. <laughs> indeed, indeed.
0: If we can get a bit deeper, I understand you, getting into business was more by, by chance, describing an opportunity as it came. But yeah. what were the challenges that you, you faced as you, you were wearing every hat, you were you are running every section of the business? Uh, what sort of challenges and uh, how did you overcome them?
1: again, like in any business, the most obvious challenge that a lot of people face in business is getting clients. It's getting work,
0: Uh,
1: And that remains your your one and number one problem. (laughs) You know, you can set up some of the most beautiful businesses around, but but if you don't have clients, there's really nothing you can do about it. And that was just the the problem that I faced at the time. Uh, You know, convincing clients that that what I was offering was of good quality uh, because there were not a lot of, of black owned, fully black owned studios. We still right, don't have yes. hundreds of them. Um, and and you 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 walk into any boardroom, uh, there's already a doubt that you can deliver this well. Yeah. and and those are some of the challenges that, that I faced instantly you know getting clients cuz mm. here it is now I have a business I've been recording spin off for 2 years I've been getting this 10,000 rents for a month every month for 2 years but, but a business has to grow and get more clients and True. and you have to mm. knock on doors you have to beg you, you mm. have to you have to plead and and eventually i was lucky to get a national lottery. We we're sharing a business yes. with them at the SABC. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I just walked up the building. Uh, they were on, I think, floor number 15 or so. And I asked them if I could present to them my business and they gave me an opportunity. And they became my second client. Uh, and it started growing from there.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, now that you, you've, I've built a portfolio of work, it becomes easier and easier to convince other clients right. that... Uh, yes you offer good quality work because they, they say, oh, you recorded that ad that was playing on the radio the other day. It's like, yeah, it was recorded at my studio. So you now have a portfolio of work that you can sell. But yeah, your first, your first challenge in business is to get people to buy
0: your, your product. Right, indeed. All the businesses that we have in South Africa alone, Facebook claims that there are 1.2 million businesses. And I think yeah. that's an understatement because there's some that are not there. And I'm just thinking, all of them, they're facing this challenge. If you were to be speaking to one of them, what would you say?
1: You know, I, I like one of the most basic thoughts about business is that you must always be selling your business. A, a businessman mm-hmm. is a businessman at 24 hours a day. You never stop true, selling what true. you offer yeah. uh, because you don't know who's listening or who's watching. Uh, and also, you must offer such great service that that the people whom you you provide service to will, will sell that service to others you know how word of mouth remains one of the best ways to sell a product because people who mm. hear their friends talking about something mm. they are more likely to 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 take up that opportunity because they trust their friend That's so that very, means mm. that means that means your first or second or 10th client or all the clients at any given time must be offered the best possible quality service so that they will, when asked who did that for you, they will be more than happy to talk about you. Uh, and that remains the best thing you can ever do. I know businesses that I will never do business with ever again because of the service that they gave me. So giving good quality service remains your, your number one tool. Uh, selling your business remains your number one tool and they're not opposing opinions. They fall in the same category. Right. Uh, and you, you have to make sure that when people experience your product, they are happy, so happy that they will want to tell others about you. Uh, we live in a time when marketing and advertising has changed so much. Mm. When I was in advertising, radio, TV, uh, outdoor billboards and bus shelters, and those were the most common way of advertising. And right. now mm. we, exist time, we exist in a time when you, you have so many other platforms. True. Uh, True. Some extremely cheap, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, uh, and so forth. You know, right.
0: they have become yeah.
1: so cheap to, to advertise that if you don't take advantage of them, uh, you are limiting your own growth. So if I was to talk to one of these p- businesses, and if you're referring to the ones that are on Facebook, they already know the, the, the secret. <laughs> I think right. they've already figured mm. it out. Yeah, but, but offer good service. You know, have integrity. And, um, you know, mm. if, if you have integrity, people would want to work with you. I know one thing. I've built my business on my name. And, and that's the name of integrity and good quality work. There's and, nothing else I offer. You know, yeah, I can offer yes. you the best coffee in the world. But if, if I still give you a bad product, you will not come back.
0: True. Uh, true. Unless I'm
1: Starbucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you have lots of money to point to marketing to cover it up.
1: <laughs> also, I'm a coffee business. <laughs> so the business is the core business. Coffee is the core business.
0: All right, all right. We're a bit pressed for time, but um the the main reason for, for, for the podcast, I want to be able to present to African entrepreneurs. The mm. what, the why, and the how of building sure. and running a successful business on the continent. It's it's information about the continent on the continent by entrepreneurs on the continent. Right? Sure. Would you perhaps have what you would say maybe the gospel according to King David Mashabella himself? What's the gospel of building a business? You know, you 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 build
1: you you find something you enjoy doing. Mm. That's the first thing. Right. You tick that one box, a lot of things start falling into place. Right. Even Steve Jobs, uh, you know, someone who's revolutionized the last 30 years of our lives, Indeed. speaks of it very clearly. He said, you, you find something that you love doing. And the reason why that's important is because you will never lose faith in, in pursuing it. Indeed. Because it's hard to build a business. It's a hard, hard slog. You have to work and you have to carry these heavy challenges on a daily basis. Someone once said, uh, running a business is like chewing glass and pretending everything is fine. And, and that's really what it is. You have to True. keep doing it and keep doing yeah. it even when, when days are hard. And it's harder now yeah, like, that we exist in, a, in COVID times, we exist in lockdown times when everything is so weird. Um, so I think above all, the gospel of running a business is Find something you really, really enjoy doing yeah. and find the best way to sell it to people and hope that it's, a, it's, a, it's solving a solution that people need because the, the age of, of, of uh, digital existence that we are in has, has taught us that people have problems and they're looking for solutions. Whether that problem is getting getting to work easily without having to drive, and that's Uber. Whether that problem is... Uh, uh, is accessing uh, information very easily and that's Google and so forth and so forth and so forth. Is identify a problem in your surrounding, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your country, uh, or a problem amongst a people that you exist with and you'll find that that solution is worth a lot of billions. Uh, and, and that's really as simple as that. It's not a sort of complicated thing. I, I like this phrase that says, don't spend your time looking for great ideas, spend your time looking for people's problems, and you'll find great ideas
0: in those problems. That's a very deep statement.
1: Just identify people's problems and you'll mm. find that, hey man, maybe I can sell that. Maybe I can sell that. Maybe I can solve this problem. I remember during, during a level five lockdown in South Africa, yes. when we couldn't move around, uh, I realized that my internet wasn't as, as strong as, as fast as I wanted it to be. And I, I Googled... Uh, internet connection. Right? I don't even know what I said. And a, a certain company appeared and I called these guys, uh, black guys. Uh, they're running a company where they extend your network. They advise on how you can improve your, your, your system and so forth. And I've, I've, I've been friends with those guys now for the past six, seven months. They've been to my office so many times since then. And some of their visits are not even business related. Uh, but I, I realized that And I remember I interviewed them even on the radio uh, when we were talking to businesses that were busy in lockdown. And I remember the owner of this business said to me, he didn't know that his business was such a big solution to problems because now people were starting to stay home. uh, People were starting to work from home um, and people were starting to want to to improve their internet. And suddenly his business was one of the most needed businesses in, in, in Johannesburg. Yeah. And I, re- I remember him telling me that, dude, I've seen so much growth in the past <laughs> two months. I don't even know what, what to do. I need to hire new guys. <laughs> right. and, and so find a, solu- find a problem and, and keep pursuing it. And eventually a time will come that mm. uh, somebody will want to buy your product and they will want to buy it in millions. Right. Uh, Jeff Bezos was selling books, my man. And now he's the richest man in the world. <laughs>
0: That's really profound too, because um, I think providing value is basically the, uh, yeah. the best way to um, uh, maybe start or grow a business, find the value yeah. provided. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Would there be anything you would like to say to, let's say, entrepreneurs in Africa?
1: My, 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 my experience of Africa is very limited. And right. I've mm. traveled to a few countries in Africa, about maybe five or six countries throughout the rest of Africa Mm. Uh, but it was all on on leisure. Uh, I've always liked the entrepreneurial spirit of the people of of Nigeria and I think they could give us even a even a tiny bit of that in South Africa. Uh, They are unmatched when it comes to that and and I think the reality of, of, of Africa is that if everyone else around the world sees Africa as the next frontier, as the next place to conquer, Mm. Surely, we should be doing a lot more than we are absolutely <laughs> we good. should be doing a lot more than yeah. than we are uh, if everyone else is, thinks that we have so much uh, to give or so much to buy because mm. they 're probably just looking at us as consumers uh, that means that means the consumers are right next door to you. that means the consumers are in your community uh, if you yeah. are here in africa yeah. uh, and and I think we we are we are fortunate that. Uh, we, we not only live in a time when our countries are relatively peaceful, not all of them, uh, our countries are relatively peaceful. Our economies are facing challenges. However, there's still, there's still uh, growth growth in, 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 in our prospects. Uh, this is not the end of the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and we are here. You know, you know there's nothing better than... Uh, than people talking about a party that's coming and you're the host. And I think, I think we, should, we should appreciate that and, and take advantage of opportunity we have as the host. When, when people, whoever they are, come to, to Africa to look for opportunities or to invest, they must find us 100, 100 days or 100 years ahead of them. And that's really what, what we should do. We should be selling our audience and our, we should be selling to ourselves and not trying to reinvent something that's already reinvented. And let's learn from what, what, what's happening everywhere else in the world and, and sell amongst ourselves and, and, and promote ourselves and promote each other and, and encourage each other to carry on and, and buy our own products. Because mm-hmm. if we don't, we are doing a huge disservice to ourselves. I, I don't know if Louis Vuitton is owned by a black man, but I don't think so. And I don't know if, I don't know if SMAG is owned by a black man, and I don't think so. And I'm almost certain that there's a, an equivalent product to theirs. Very we just true. have to ident- identify it and, mm. and encourage it and support it and grow it.
0: Very it's
1: true. not complicated. Mm. Uh, the biggest problem with Africans is that we tend not to like each other. Uh, mm. And that, that can be a problem. And that can be a problem for growth. And I I, I hope that with time we'll overcome ourselves and, and, and realize that We are the the custodians of our own prospects, and we nobody owes us a favor, including God.
0: Yeah, indeed. Oh, that's that's my story, man. (laughs) That's really great, David. I really appreciate your time. Um, I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast and sharing your story. And I believe it's something that is going to assist a lot of entrepreneurs, especially. The spirit to push on, and you know, yeah. finding what you really enjoy doing. I think that's yeah. um, something we need to um, grow the economy. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for. Coming through, and thank you, man. I look forward to maybe another one where we continue the discussion.
1: Absolutely, thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's the the first podcast I've agreed to, so uh thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pre- you, you, like I said, thank you. you called, and I I just uh, didn't I did on that day. I didn't feel like saying no, so thank you very much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I really appreciate you saying yes. Yeah, and, uh, thank you. That's cool, um, man. Thank you. Really, take care. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Remember to subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Be sure to join millions of fellow entrepreneurs at Big Shot Business Network. For this week's show notes, visit likeabigshot.com podcast. Until next week, this has been the Big Shot Business Podcast.